0: I want you to hold your Bible if you have a physical one or hold your phone. Would you hold it up? Yeah, if you have it in your phone, hold up your phone. Uh, The one time in church you can have your phone with you and utilize it. You'll be fine. So come on, just get a hold of your word. This word is God's heart for humanity. It is 100% the word of God, and it can be trusted. And so as you hold your word, I want to encourage you this year to make this be a priority. That what the word of God declares is what I'm going to believe, and that I want to trust God's word. Amen? Thank you for doing that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Psalms 119 is literally an entire, the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about your word. That's how important your word is. You also said you, 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 you give out your word and would will not return void. That when you speak something, Lord God, it must come to pass. And so we, we honor your word this morning, and we ask that it brings transformation to our heart. We love you, we honor you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and Amen. I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of 1 John, chapter number 4. I do not know what you have planned for 2022 in terms of your personal life. I don't know what you have planned for 2022 in your prophetic life. I pray to God that you do have something for your personal life. And I pray most importantly that you have a prophetic word from God for 2022. The reason why that is so vital and so important is that without direction, without a clear direction, you will go in circles and you will assume there's growth when all you've done is go in circles. And one of the things that um, is difficult, I don't know about you, but it's difficult for me, is change is hard. Change is difficult. Change is scary. Since 2019, we have heard this word called unprecedented. Tired of that word, to be honest with you. But it was the only word that was able to convey the atmosphere that was taking place. There are certain times when I walk outside or or having received information that... There's an overwhelming atmosphere of fear that just rises up. It feels like it's in the atmosphere, and it almost feels like when I'm smelling it, it just comes through my, through my nostrils, and it's trying to get my mind to comprehend the, the situation more than the word of God. Like you just you just walk out, and when you just you just observe what is taking place in the world, um, you realize that um, that change is all around us, but. I don't like change, to be honest with you. Um, Change gets me out of my comfort zone, doesn't it? It makes us have to look at things from a different way. And one of the words that also was very prevalent in 2019 and in 2020, more or less in 2021, is this word new normal. This new normal, that because we cannot really communicate the change effectively, we just call it the new normal. And in reality, and not, not necessarily all of this, but for the most part, what we are saying is we're just going to give in to the outside atmosphere. Because we're exhausted, we're tired, we don't know what to do. And I want to encourage you as you held your word, or you held the, uh, your, your phone that, that contains the word, I want to remind you of this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if you do not want to live a life that is without direction, you must receive God's love. You have to receive it. And so in 1 John 4, verse 16, what I want to encourage you is this. As we're approaching a 21-day fast and prayer, starting January the 10th, what I want to encourage you to do is to get the book of John. I want you to read the book of, of John because I believe not that the other gospels aren't important. Of course, they are. They give us the historical uh, narrative of Jesus. And they have a distinct audience that they're looking to appeal to. Matthew, who's a tax collector who happens to be Jewish, is, is collecting tax on the behalf of Rome. And so he's writing to a people that need to know his kingship. Matthew is writing to a people that needs to know that this Jesus is the Messiah. That's who he is. He's the one that you're waiting for. That's why in Matthew, the wise men came and and they said, where is he born, king of the Jews? And Herod got upset about that. Why? Because Herod was appointed as a king. He was a proxy for Rome. He was placed there. But Jesus was born a king. Oh, come on. There's a difference right there than just being appointed and, just, and then being born. And that's why it's important when Jesus said to Nicodemus, in order to, to be saved, in order to have eternal life, he says, you must be what? Born of the spirit and born of the water. He said, you're not just appointed, you're, you're born again. He's, he's bringing this reality to our hearts to understand his his kingship. And so Luke writes and, and Luke is writing more to, to a Gentile. He's writing to a person who he, Luke has given an account of what Jesus did. And so if you look at Luke's account in the book of Acts, you are seeing that it's a continuation. It's a second volume of what Luke is writing. And so Luke is an a awesome book. He really elevates ladies. Come on, somebody, right? And so the culture at that time was if you were a lady, that you were not uh, well respected. If you were a woman, uh, they said you didn't want to be a woman or a dog. They were really put down. But the scripture speaks of how we elevate ladies. Come on. Every lady should be clapping their hands right there. You know what I'm saying? right? Because we have a movement now of saying, oh, ladies, you're supposed to be this. And the Bible already edifies who you are. And so we must understand what it means to really be a biblical woman, not a culturally shaped woman. Come on, somebody. You want to be a biblical woman? That's what's attractive. One makes noise. The other one has a voice. You feel me? You got a voice. And Luke wants to make sure because in the midst of Jesus invited to a Pharisee's home, this woman broke through culture. Come on. And got to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus defended her. So Luke defends a lot of these things. That's why in the resurrection, who got the first message? (laughs) Restoring back what happened to Adam and Eve. Come on. You got to serve a God that knows how to restore lives. Restore lives. So in 2022, ladies, don't make noise. Use your voice. And Luke is speaking of that. Luke is speaking of that. And so here now we get to Mark. And Mark is writing to a Roman audience. And Mark is really just talking about a gospel of action. He doesn't even talk about the birth of Jesus. He just goes straight in. Jesus came and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He just wants to give an avenger type of scripture. That Jesus is the hero And that he's come. And so so it's an action. And so you see a lot of demonic things in the book of Mark. Because Mark wants you to understand that the kingdom of God can blow and destroy every other kingdom. And then we get to John. Who named himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. I really, I think that's amazing. I think that's awesome for him doing that. And so John is writing to to a Greek audience. He's, he's writing to a people. And that's why when he begins his gospel in John chapter 1. He begins by saying in the beginning was the word. He, he, the logos. He's, he's writing to a Greek people. And, and he's trying to find a word that he can communicate to them about this Jesus. And so he begins and he says he's the, he's the logos, he's, he's the word, he's the, he's the rhema, he, he that's who he is. He's trying to explain, so says in the beginning. And so, and so I encourage you to read John because John is going to bring you to a place of where you understand what I believe prophetically God is doing in our nation and I believe in the world. I really believe that. I really believe reading the book of John is really going to be helpful because then when you go through John, then I said on Sunday last week, then you got to read the epistles of what John is talking about, explaining what he wrote in the first book. See, the epistles is John expanding upon what he wrote in his gospel. And he's putting works to what he wrote that was theological in John chapter one. The epistles become the practical working out of that theology. And that's what he's saying. He said, I don't want to be so high. That is over your head. But I don't want to go so low. You lower your standards. Come on. (laughs) Right. He, He says, I want you to understand this. And so he writes because you can't understand. Hear me revelation without understanding the book of John. He's the same author who wrote that book. John's the only apostle who died of natural causes. All the other apostles were persecuted, were killed, But John was exiled to this island of Patmos because they couldn't kill him. They tried everything they could, and so they exiled him. And then he came back, and he was over in Ephesus. And he died of natural causes. And the reason why I'm doing all this in my introduction is because the book of Revelation, we can literally lick our lips because we know the end is near. There is no doubt in my mind that Jesus is coming back real soon. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to come out to believe that you just going to be a Bible-believing saint. That when we see the things that are going on, if you're not confused, you're not living. I'm not saying you're fearful. I'm saying when you look at all that's taking place, there's got to be an answer. There's got to be something that settles our heart. Every single day, there's something new. Every single day, there's something that's being revealed, and it's not good. It's inflicting fear on the people of God. So before you read the book of Revelation, go to the gospel of John. And so in our fast, we've given, there's 21 days, read a chapter a day and just say, okay, God, reveal to me what you want me to see in this particular book. Our text, 1 John 4, 16. For it begins in the English Standard Version. And it says this, so we have come to know, I love that part. So we have come to know, this speaks to me personally of a journey, an adventure. An adventure. It tells me then that that John is right. And he says that I've taken you along an adventurous journey. And it says now based on all the facts. Write that down. Based on the facts of historical events that cannot be denied. I want you to write because that's important. Because as a believer, we don't ignore the human knowledge of how to understand. We actually embrace it. We actually embrace it. You don't lose your mind when you become a Christian. You give your life away. <laughs> Let me say that again. When you become a believer, you lose your life that nobody wants anyways. And you take the life of Christ. And he renews your mind... And so what happens is John is saying, as we've come to know, he's saying the facts that I've given you inspired by God. Yes, but the evidence of these things that has happened has led us to get to this particular place now. And so he says, we have come to know. We have come to know. And to believe the love that God has for us. So this was a process. Of John Ryan to say, listen, and I will say from from January, we have been going on this journey. And now we get to the end, the last Sunday of the year of 2021. And what he's saying is that, what did you come and what did you know? What do you know? What are you taking away entering into 2021 with? And so what John wants us to realize is this, is that we've come to, someone say, believe. The love that God has for us. I was at home and. And, and Megan, I think, was out with, with Danny and Lizzie and, and uh, I was just home and I was uh, just meditating. I was praying. And all of a sudden, I just I sensed this. This came into my mind and I was like, God, is it just for me or was it you want me to share it with, with the with the church? And, and I'm going to share it because because he said this to me, he says, he says, the greatest weapon I've given to the church, we've missed it. Just like when my son Jesus came, how they missed it. Because it wasn't like the way they thought it was going to come. And in my death as well, they missed it. And so in my birth and in the death, the church missed it. And he said, the greatest weapon I've given the church is my love. He said, it's the most powerful weapon. And it says to believe the love that God has for us will destroy every argument. Come on. We'll destroy every single reason that people will have for not accepting Jesus Christ. Excuse me. We've come to believe the love that God has for us. And then it says, God is love. Now the culture, and you've heard me say this over and over again, have kidnapped that word. But in John's context, he wasn't necessarily just describing, listen, God is love, which is his character. But in this context, what John is given, he's given substance to what he's teaching. He's literally saying, this is how you live it out, because John is going to ask him to do something very difficult. He's going to say, if you want to destroy the devil, love one another. I'm about to give you something. If you want to destroy the devil, come on, have healthy relationships. If you want the devil to get out of your life, get to a place where you love one another. Talking about the body of Christ who are born again. And so what we have taken is this scripture to give it some loose manner that you can love anything, anyone. And so we've taken that out of context and because we've done that, we've missed the substance of it. So I'm working on a message. It's going to be really cool. It's a message declaring what God is not. And I'm just going to give you a sneak peek. Okay, I'm going to give you the trail. I'm going to give you a sneak peek. Write this down. God is not nice. Because if you believe that God is nice, and then you believe God is love, you're going to water down the message of the gospel and compromise. And the reality is this. It's not that God is not love. The premise is you think God is nice. Can I teach you how to really not debate somebody, but how to have a discussion that wins them to Christ? I enjoy, I love asking questions. When I got saved, I was asking questions over and over and over again. I love it. Because there's certain things I just don't debate. It's in the word of God. Why why am I going to debate something that the word of God says is final? So if someone's arguing with me with something, I'm like, I'm sorry. Tell me what's really going on because that's not a debatable issue. So what's the real issue? What are you really struggling with? Now they realize I'm not just trying to get knowledge. I'm trying to get understanding. And so for the most part, not all the time, for the most part, there's some hidden pain. There's some hidden pain that's happened that's caused them to come to a place of where they understand God to be this. And if I love them, I'm going to give them the truth to break down that barrier so they can walk in freedom. So be encouraged. The enemy wants to lure you into debates that's already been settled. Don't fight and do not Fold, don't don't go for it. Don't do that. Don't do that at all. Because when someone looks and says, God is nice, that means then that you're confused because you don't want to look at God that God is mean. And He's not mean. He's not. So if God is not nice, and I see things that are happening, it must mean that God is mean. And no, that's not what He's saying. Say with me, God is love. Come on, say it. God is love. That's it right there. Because God is love. And when you look at this. He now moves on and says. So whosoever abides in God. Or abides in love. Does what? They abide in God. And here's the final one. And God abides in him. This text right here. Is what I call receive his love. The experience. Receive his his love, the experience. One translation says this. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love he has for us. We trust in the love he has for us. Another translation, the Amplified, puts it this way. We have come to know by personal observation and experience... And have believed, now they break down belief, with deep, consistent faith, the love which God has for us. God is love, and the ones who abide in love abides in God. And God abides continually in him. So for the entire month of December, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we first began this adventure to get to, and we've come to know. We looked at with his love, he rejoices Over us, his humbled people. With his love, he rejoices over us, his what? His humbled people. Now in the context of Zephaniah, what he's talking about, he's saying we're humbled because of the affliction that has come upon us because of God's judgment. So God has judged us. And because of that judgment, we've come to a place to recognize who God is. And so therefore, we are humbled. We are humbled because we have to get to this understanding that God is holy. Are you with me, somebody? That God has a purpose for our lives. And you may not know this, but God is committed to fulfilling this purpose for your life. He is. And the reason why that ought to make you excited as parents is that no matter what your children are doing, we can believe that God has his purpose for them and God is going to work it out. Isn't that amazing? It takes the pressure off. It really does. And now you can truly love your child. You have a boss that's just crazy. Guess what? God has a purpose for your boss. As crazy as they are. And if you're a boss in here, you're not crazy. You love God, right? But the other people who are not here. That he knows a way, God God knows how to humble people. Now, please understand this. Some people say, well, if God uses affliction to humble me then, let me keep praying for affliction. No, the devil is a liar. Don't do that. You see how the enemy can trip you up by not knowing the word of God? So you're thinking, well, if God honors the humble people with his love, let me pray. God, afflict me. God, afflict me. What? No. God is going to. Break you from the perspective of you recognizing who he is, but God's going to come and afflict you. And so when sickness and these things come upon us, we got to rebuke those things. Come on, right? We have to rebuke those to me says, hold on a second here. Sickness is not from God. That's from the devil. And I know that God loves me. So I'm going to pray. God, I come against this sickness in Jesus name. I know it might just be the common cold, but I serve a God who's not common. Come on, somebody. And so we got to get to a place of where not only are we using wisdom, but we're also using the wisdom of the spirit. You can't fight the enemy just by your own experience. Come on. You got to fight the enemy with divine experience. You got to fight the enemy with the wisdom of God. Are you hearing me this morning? So the thing that we must understand is humbled people know how to love. Because they know what it's like to be loved. Humbled people know how to love. They know where they are. And so if that was not enough, he says, look, love looked down. He humbled to look, and he lifted us up. That's what love does. It lifts us up. Can we promise, can we make a, a promise to God that we will get to a place of where we see people who have been afflicted by the enemy, by evil, like the good Samaritan did? And we're going to invest our time And we're going to be intentional about lifting those people up. Come on. That they're taking a path. They're on a journey. And and the enemy robbers and thieves are waiting. And they afflict them. like, Like the religious priest who just steps over them because it doesn't fit our narrative. And we're not just gonna, we're not just gonna walk by because of religion says we can't touch it. No, we're going to be like the good Samaritan who's going to stop, who's going to survey what's happening, who's going to come and look from this particular place and realize that love doesn't just look down on you, but love lifts you up. Come on. And puts you on their own animal. Come on. And brings you to the end and says, I will make the investment. That's like what, what tithing is. Tithing is not this complicated thing we're trying to get money from you. That's not what it is at all. It's literally us realizing that we're here to lift people up. Will you make that promise this year? That God, I promise this year, if you be so kind, to lead me to a situation where I'm lifting people up, lifting them out of their depression, lifting them out of their poverty. I'm lifting people up. Come on, that's what the church exists for. That we're supposed to lift people up. That's why I want to be amongst people. That when they see that my countenance is down, they can say, hey, I know it's difficult, but guess what? Hope thou in God, that God is still on the throne. Come on, that Jesus is still alive, that there is purpose in your life. John is saying that when we get to know this, we'll be people who lift others up. Then he also said that wasn't enough. Love came down, and that's the message of Christmas. He came to this earth he created. I thank God for Jesus. I really do. I thank God for Jesus that He's not like other any other religious figure. Come on. Jesus is not Muhammad. Come on, not even close. He's not Buddha. He's no other. Jesus Christ alone is Lord. Jesus Christ alone is Lord. And that's how we're able to continue to walk out our purpose. And finally, what I believe he wants us to get to, and here is where we are the time, is he wants us to receive his love, the experience. Receive his love, the experience. The most loving thing that we can do as a church, the most loving thing that you can do, because you are the church. Can't just take a minute and break this down for you. You are the church. But you are the church. And also, we gather together as the church. And so, because you are the church, it's important then that you understand your assignment. And your assignment is clear, where he says, upon this rock, I'm building my church. And so, therefore, the great commission is not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. Because you've received the great commandment. So, you can't be commissioned if you're not following the commandment. And what he's saying here in this particular text, he's saying that the great commandment is vital for the great commission. The great commission. And so how do you grow a church? You don't have to have all the theatric, you don't have to do any of that stuff to grow a church. How you grow a church is that you assemble with with believers who have received the great commandment, who are eager and excited for the great commission. So they long... To gather so that they can scatter. (laughs) They come together to receive instructions. Do you know how I became a great husband? And Megan can say amen. Amen. It's on Facebook Live. It's a little bit louder, right? (laughs) Uh, How I strive to be a great husband. Don't do it right all the time. God knows. The Lord knows that. I learned it from the church. That's where I learned how to be a great husband was from the church. I actually saw great marriages that I'm like, oh man, I I like that. And I walked up and says, how did you do that? I couldn't go to the culture. What are they going to teach me? So I came to the church where broken people were humbled to realize this is how I do it. Come on. And at the end of it, they pointed to Jesus. I said, oh my goodness, that's amazing stuff. So the reason why I always look forward to gather is because I learned something from other people who love Jesus. All week I'm around people who don't love Jesus and they cuss and they do all sorts of things and I get it. But when I come to church, I get around people who are walking by faith. Come on, I get around people who are rejoicing in the midst of the struggle. They're rejoicing, says, thank be to God. And I know their situation, but they serve one that's greater than their situation. And they're praising and worshiping God. But I come to know I can make it another week. That's why I come. That's why it's a priority for me. Because when I see you worshiping God, knowing what you're going through, I'm like, look, guys, like, look, there am I. That's how you do it, Ro. It's not about you, but I need the church to gather. And I need the church to scatter. Come on. We need the church. Why? Because it's clear. The church is essential for society. And if we don't stand up and shine our light... People will never be able to receive his love. It's impossible, church, for people of the world. It clearly states in 1 Corinthians, the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit. And so we have to be people that do those things. How did I learn to be a good parent? It was the church. How was around other parents? Who said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, neither do I. But well, let's pray. Come on, let's believe God. And so, therefore, that's the reason why I don't come because I'm the pastor. It helps, but I don't come because I pastor this church. This is God's church. I come because I my faith is built off you as well as me. Why do you think I enjoy our time together, at coffee? I enjoy it because you're ministering to me as well. That I'm like, what is God doing in your life? That is so awesome. Because that's the God that I serve. Am I helping anybody? Come on. The pastor needs to be pastored as well. Come on, somebody. And so therefore, when I come and I see you, whether it's one, two, three, or forty or fifty, it doesn't matter because if I get caught up on the numbers, I may compromise to bring the numbers and miss what God is doing. So when I come, when I look is to receive God's love through you. That's what I come for, to receive God's love through you. Because he's saying we've come to know. And because, guess what, God is abiding in you. And because God is love and you are abiding in God. I'm looking at somebody who is saying, I will always be spirit filled. Number two, I will preach a clear and consistent message. Why? Because that's how God is. God is a spirit. That's why I'm spirit filled. Not because I'm Pentecostal. Come on. Not because I'm some denomination. Break that stuff. Come on. That's not what we are. We are spirit-filled people that believe in the fullness and in the power of the Holy Spirit because God is spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him. How? In spirit and in truth. That's what makes our DNA. Not some label because we speak in tongues. I'm talking about tie. Who stole my hand? No, no, no. No, we speak in tongues because there's a spirit inside of us. That Romans says, we don't know how to pray as we ought to, but the spirit intercedes. So there are situations in your life where you will come to me and says, pastor, pray for me. And I'm going to say, I have no idea in my natural mind, but let me go to the spirit. Come on, somebody. Let me go into the spirit who knows what you need. And so therefore I speak in unknown tongues. Why? Because you have a situation that needs God and don't need me. That's why we speak in tongues. Not for you to think it's weird. He was proof that Jesus made it to heaven. He says, you will know that I've arrived back to the Father when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Come on. And so they were in the upper room. What? Gathered. The Spirit of God came upon them. They scattered. So every time we gather is Pentecost. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Some people say, where are you going on Sunday to get power? Why are you driving so far to get power? Because I don't want a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. And so therefore, one should chase a thousand, but two can put ten thousand to flight. Come on, somebody. And that's why it's vital we come together and receive his love. This is so good. I'm preaching my hair back in. Come on. Mm. Praise God. Praise God. That's where this times has passed. I'm like, babe, I need you to agree with me on this one. This is heavy to carry by myself. I need you to come in agreement with me. So we can't have strife. Why? Because we need this prayer answered. You feed me on the God inside of you. Come on. I need you to speak to that God inside of you. That's why we need each other. That's why the safest place is the church. Because another thing, God is not safe. He's going to pull you out of your comfort zone. He's going to challenge you. He really is. Why? Because he wants you to scatter and be a light and be a witness. Am I helping anybody this morning? You have an assignment. I have an assignment. And it's critical. So how do we do this, preacher? How how do we get to a place where we receive his love? And when we come together, we truly, and it's not just a kumbaya. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where we come together and we sharpen one another. We come together and we encourage one another. We come together and there's no gossip. Come on, somebody. That we're clothed with humility right and that we prophesy and that's why when we give our five minutes greeting literally I want you to be so full of the spirit so clear in your message that when you meet somebody just a handshake you'll be able to recognize oh you need something come on and now you realize I'm glad I came God because if it was just for one person can you imagine that just for one person you showed up come on or you minister through zoom or through a phone call I'm not just saying you have to physically be here but when you are present when you are when you are absolutely available and some Everyone gets their heart encouraged, that is God working through you, and that's the greatest thing you can ever ask is for God to work through you. It's the greatest thrill you can have is when God does that, and God wants to do it. I oftentimes say, God, give me a message for the people, and it's amazing, it's amazing that what really happens is that they hear the message, yes. But it's within the engagement of people where ministry takes place. That's why for us doing life together is not a slogan. It is literally a way of life. It is literally what God is saying prophetically to this house. For the last six years, God has said there is life here. And so therefore, we cannot... Gossip we cannot backbite we must come together receive his love why because that's how you destroy devils and demons that are trying to prevent you from walking in your victory is America under attack you better believe it that's clear okay what side you're on that's clear America is under attack as the nations of the world. But I live here. This is the assignment God has given me. This is the nation where God has placed me in. And so our message is simply this. Church, we must operate by the spirit and we must preach a clear and consistent message. There's no room for compromise and there's no room for confusion. We must be clear on our values and deeper. We must be clear on our virtue and even deeper. We must know God's voice because you start with values, you move to virtue, but by God, we need his voice. That's what we need is his voice. And so God, what are you saying to us? In the midst of all that's taking place, what are you saying to us? And here is God's message, three points. Here, I believe is God's voice. Here's the weapon, the weapon of love. The first thing is you must receive his love from head knowledge. Receive his love, and you should be on the screen, receive his love from head knowledge. We must know God's love before we can believe God's love for us. So my question for you as you finish 2021 is do you know God's love? See, those who experience God's love have come to have confidence in his love. Confidence in God's love comes first. It starts from a knowledge about his love for us. So in other words, you lay the facts out. You lay the facts are there and you have your Bible. And these are the facts. And this is the word of God. And from reading The word and from looking at the situation, you've come to this conclusion. This is the word of God, and I believe it. First thing. First thing is that. And I commit my life to be a student. Write this down of the word. So I'm going to read the book of John. Why? Because to receive his love, it has to first enter my head. Because the way that the Hebrews looked at things, they didn't see a separation from the head and the heart. No, no, no. They saw it as one unit together. But it begins first with the head. It has to go through the reasoning. It goes through your eyes. You're able to look at the word of God. And here's the difference. The word of God is inspired. So it's not a matter of I can't read or I can read. No, the word of God is inspired. And as you read it, the word of God becomes clear to you. When I was on my journey to knowing Christ, I had a small little Bible. was the Gideon Bible. And I may have shared this example before, a small Gideon Bible. And I had it in my back pocket. And it was the uh, New Testament, the book of Psalms. Real small Bible like that. And I would read the King James and and it would come across as thou and thee. And I had no idea what it was saying. The thou shall this. And all this different language type of thing. And the moment I got saved at camp. And I picked up the same Bible. Remember, two days ago, I couldn't understand it. I give my heart to Jesus. And now it just opened up to me. And so what had happened was, now the spirit was there helping me. Why? Because there isn't a difference between the head and the heart, but it begins in your head first. If I can't convince you in your head, I'm not going to get to your heart. And so even God understood this. And so he wants us to understand, how does God love us? Well, the answer is he sent his son. We talked about this last Sunday. But let me break this down just in case we, we, we we, we forgot. Remember, Jesus rescued us from what? Sin. He didn't rescue us for any other reason. He didn't rescue us to be a genie. He didn't rescue us to be your sugar daddy. He rescued us from what? Sin. Jesus, God is not your sugar. That's not what he exists for. Let's just rub the Bible and your wishes come for it. No, he rescued us from what? Sin. He also removed the obstacles to God's love, which was what? Sin. Jesus redeemed us from what? Sin. Jesus restored our relationship with God. Why? Because we sinned. So everything, how God loves us, how much he loves us, is that he saved us from sin. Now that you've been saved from sin, what does that mean when you experience his love? Thank you for asking. Here's what it means. Because what the enemy is going to come after is going to come after your identity. And so John knows this. John knows this. So John says, if you receive this love, now you have to experience his love. And in John chapter 1, verse 10 to verse 12, he says this, the experience. And he says, you have the right to become children of God. You have the right to become children of God. And so we're going we're to end right here. You have the right to become children of God. You have the right to become children of God. What an honor, what a privilege. We argue and we, and we fight over things that have no eternal value whatsoever. And we bring those things into the church and we argue over cultural war as opposed to recognizing God has already won the war. So what we have to do then is to fight the battles. Let me say that again. When we don't understand receiving his love, we bring a culture war into the church. And now we are fighting a cultural war that was never to be fought by us in the first place. As opposed to realizing God won the war by sending Jesus. So what do we have to do? We have to win the battles. Let me break it down. Because in God winning the war... You would think that once he was, Jesus was risen from the dead, that he conquered death, hell, and the grave, that we no longer would have to deal with the devil, but we do. We thought we'd have to deal with people who want to destroy us, but we do. Paul was very clear. He even named people. He says, there are people out there who don't like Jesus, and they're out to destroy you. There are people assigned by the enemy purposely to destroy you. You hear me? If you are a believer, there are people assigned by the enemy, will even dress like their sheep in wolf's clothing to come and try to destroy you. Are you hearing me, church? Let me give you the reality of it. And so if you don't know how to experience his love, you will lose the battle every single time. And so what he's saying as you enter into 2021, 2022, you must understand the first thing you have to do is to know this. You have been given the right to become children of God. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus that your identity now is in Jesus Christ and he wants us to experience him. So that we will not compromise. We will not move from our position. Why? Because the enemy's tactic right from the garden was to rob us of our identity. And he's doing the same thing today. So America is under attack because of our identity. Come on, somebody. He's trying to get the church to be weak. He's trying to get the church to no longer do the Great Commission. And so what are we fighting? The battle we're fighting is simply this. You don't know who you are. So you take labels because you don't know who you are and you get affirmed in that. And what he's saying is this. No, no, no. The love that you get from God through Jesus gives you the right to become the children of God. I'm speaking to somebody this morning, whether here or online. It's simple. I know. And you've heard this, I know if you've been saved for a long time, but the reality is, have you received it? Now, the word receive in the Greek, based on its context, is different. What he's saying here about receive is not welcoming this information. What he's saying here is, have you taken this information as your own? So in other words, people can come into church, minister Blaine, he said, I welcome everybody here. Welcome, and that's a place of saying, hey, welcome, I want you to come here. But what John is writing, he's saying, no, it's not just about welcoming the presence of Jesus. It's about taking it as your own. In other words, I'm going to live this as my own. It's not my label. It's my lifestyle. Write that down. When you experience this love, it's not a label you're loved by God. It's a lifestyle where you know I'm loved by God. And so therefore, your eyes open now, and you're able to realize, who am I a lover of? Am I a lover of God, or am I a lover of the world? And so in John chapter 1, verse 10 to verse 12, my favorite scripture. I had the privilege of officiating the wedding for my nephew. And um, his gift to me was, what's your favorite scripture? And I didn't know, um, I think he talked to to Magon and and uh, I think man said, What's your favorite scripture? And I said, John chapter 1, verse 12. My favorite scripture, the entire Bible. And when I came to the wedding, he gave him my gift, and it was a it was a, 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 a tie pin, and it had inscripted on there uh, was John chapter 1, verse 12. So beautiful. And what I want you to do is to look at this, is to experience this. John chapter 1, we're gonna begin in verse number 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not what? Oh for 33 years from the time of being birthed through Mary coming through the Virgin Mary and for 33 years he walked upon the planet historical fact that Josephus who was a historian who wasn't a biblical writer but a historian wrote in his writings that there was this man who claimed to be a Messiah who was crucified by the Jews excuse me by the Romans because of the Jews and so Josephus now affirms head knowledge that this Jesus was real and John is right and said he was in the world. Come on. He understands us. He was in the world. He didn't stay in heaven and start to do his thing. No, Jesus came to earth. The word became flesh. He says, I want to dwell amongst you. Why? So I can feel what you feel. I can sympathize what you sympathize. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like. Come on. To experience pain. Jesus was in the world. And the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Could it be said he was in the church and the church was made through him and the church didn't know him? He says he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave him the right to become children of God. Are you reading that right there in the text? But all who did receive him. Who believed in his name, he gave him the right to become the children of God. I love how this translation puts it. He says he entered into the world he created, yet the world was unaware. He came to the people he created, to those who should have received him, but they didn't recognize him. But those who embraced him took hold of his name. Are you seeing it right there? Those who took hold of his name, he gave authority to become the children of God. He was not born by the joint of human parents or from natural means or by man's desire, but he was born of God. He was born of God. See, when we understand you believe in his name, you also receive his love. You believe in his name, you receive his love. TGP and those watching, as we we continue our journey, And by the grace and the mercy of God as we enter into 2022, what I want you to know is this, is that God is pouring out his love in such a manner that is the most powerful weapon we have to destroy the devil and to destroy demonic forces. I know it may seem like, what do you mean? But I'm telling you right now that what I believe, with everything inside of me, is that the message of the love of God, not some cheap love, Not some love that's trying to get its own way. I'm talking about the love of God. When we receive that, we make the devil nervous. Because then we start to love one another. Because Jesus says, then the world would know that God you sent me. Receive his love. Receive his love. Receiving his love is where you get to a place of where you understand, Now I'm taking it as my own. Last scriptures last scriptures, Galatians chapter four, verse six. Turn there as we as we leave with this. Galatians chapter four, verse six. How is God gonna meet your need in twenty twenty two? He's gonna pour out more love on your life. What do you mean? He's gonna give me a new car? No, he's gonna give you more love. So when you get the new car, you won't love the car more than him. How is God going to pour his love on you? He's going to save your child. Come on. So that you will love him more than you love your child. Come on how is God going to meet your needs? He's going to pour his love out on you. How is God going to bless you? He's going to pour his love out on you. That's how God's doing. How is God going to save this nation? He's pouring his love out on this nation so people will embrace his love and tell the enemy, you are no longer in authority in my life. Satan, you don't own me anymore. I've been redeemed. I've been rescued. Every obstacle that prevents me from getting to God has been removed. And when people change their identity back to who they are, they change their behavior. Come on. You got to get that. If we really want to see laws that lie for God's word, pour out his love. I'm telling you right now, that's the answer. That's how we do it. Because people need to recognize who they are in God. Galatians 4 verse 6, my last scripture. He says this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, where? Into our hearts. Crying what? Abba, Father. A word only used three times. Paul writes it and Jesus talks about it. And Jesus uses this word that the disciples of his time were mesmerized by this. They were saying, how could you use that word? And we look at that word to mean, you know, daddy, daddy. And there was a deeper message based on that word, Abba, Father. What he's saying is this, that when you utter those words, you are literally saying that God, you are the one that I take. And you are the one that has taken me. And now I know who I am and I can't be talked out of it. Abba, Father. So we look at what's going on in our nation. What should we do? We should cry, Abba Father, your children needs you. I know you won the war, but we have battles to face. We need you, Abba Father. We need you. And this is the message that God has for us. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Christian. Yeah. Another word mentioned I think three or four times in the scripture. But it's deeper than that. When People ask you, who are you? You need to let them know. I am a child of God. Loved by God. And the weapon of my warfare Is the love of God. Where's truth in all of this. Pastor Oh truth is so evident. Because you can't really. Love without truth of course. That's a different message. When you understand. That he's giving you his spirit of his son. Then you will understand truth. And then you will be able to preach the word of God. In truth and in love. But before we get to that we must understand who you are. And so right where you're seated with your head bowed, I want you to really take this moment and embrace, take, not just welcome the presence of God, but take this truth, take this revelation that I am a child of God. And so therefore... God is my Abba Father. And I cry out to him. What are you facing this morning that is overwhelming? Cry out, Abba Father. What are the difficulties that you're facing right now? Cry out, Abba Father. What are the things that you need help with? Cry, Abba Father. Understand that if you believe in him, you receive his love as well. So Jesus, thank you for this revelation of who you are. Jesus